0: And the title of my message today is The Test of Darkness. What we're going to be talking about today is when do you stop worshiping? Why do we worship? We worship because we are created with a built-in need to worship something or someone. It is innate to us and we desire to worship something or someone. When do we worship? That depends on who you are. Most Christians worship at least on Sunday mornings, but you can also worship in your car, on your commute, or running to the grocery store for eggs. I sometimes worship while I'm doing housework. That way I don't have to think about the housework. Why do we worship? Normally we worship what is superior to us because we admire it, we honor it, we love it, we like staring at it. We worship Him who created us, we worship the one who has loved us from the very beginning and even in the midst of our darkest sins. Let's talk about what worship is. This definition of worship is from Wikipedia. Worship is an act of religious devotion, usually directed towards a deity. For many, worship is not about an emotion. It is more about a recognition of a God. In our case, a recognition of the God. An act of worship may be performed individually, in an informal or formal group, or by a designated leader. Such acts may involve honoring. What worship is not? Worship is not about the self. We are not God, in case any of y'all didn't get that memo. It's not about us. It's about Him. He is the Savior, our Creator, our God. There is another level of worship many people do not ever find. You know those times when your whole life just kind of tanks? Something really awful happens that just leaves you shell-shocked? Yeah, I knew you did. We are supposed to worship then too, even though that is the last thing you feel like doing when you've just got bad news or something really awful happened. If we know him, then most of all, like Job did, like King David did, like King Jehoshaphat did. When all his children were dead, and King David, when his son with Bathsheba had died, both worshipped. Worship during the darkest times of your life. I call this worship in the dark. And it is the worship that is only offered by the true children of the Most High. You will never see a lukewarm Christian offering true worship when something horrible just happened to them. You're more likely to see them shaking their fists at the sky, cursing, blaming God, etc. But the children of the Most High will say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Those who still call him Lord, even when everything around them is turning to ashes, that is true worship. It's easy to worship when you just got the job you wanted, when you just had the child you prayed for for five years, when everything is going great. But what about when it's not? Is he still your God? Or no? Many people turn away from God when he don't give them what he wants, like he was a malfunctioning ATM machine. But if he is God, if he be God, then worship him. Worship him in spite of your pain, in spite of your disappointment. Worship him in the face of disaster. And y'all, I have stood on that dark place when it is so hard to utter even a praise. And it is difficult. I'm not kidding you. It is difficult. But either he is God or he isn't. Which one is it? In your life, will he be God regardless? Because you're about to have to answer that question. And we all have to answer it at some point when things happen in our lives and somebody dies that we wanted to live. We lose a relationship that we wanted to hold on to. That job promotion don't come through or whatever. If God be God, then take your pain to him. If something else is God, then take your pain to that. But remember that he said, Whatever you are going to for provision now, whatever is your God now, that has to take care of you later. So if he's going to be your God, you better make him your God, okay? First Kings 18 21. Right before Elijah killed the 450 prophets of Baal. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal Then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. You know, Baal was the God of the unbelievers in the Old Testament. And there are a lot of things and people that we could substitute for the word Baal in that verse. Because idolatry is rampant in our world, even more than it was in Elijah's. In our day, there are many gods. Today, we have the God of the government the gods of beauty, wealth, and privilege. We have celebrity gods, social media gods. We have the god of independence, the god of intellectualism, the god of natural living, the god of tolerance. Oh yes, we have many gods to choose from where I live. In fact, you can probably only find more of them someplace like India. Maybe someday there will be a game show called Showdown of the Gods, little g. Methamphetamine is some people's God. They trample over everything and every one in their lives to get more of it. It gets them through. Until it doesn't. Another God with a little G. You can make a God, little G, out of almost anything. Just don't expect it to save you from anything, including hell after you die, I'm just saying. All of the little G gods are just useless idols. I want to read y'all a journal entry. I think I've read it to you maybe one other time. It is from January the 27th, 2012, and I came across it cleaning off my desk. The most powerful worship we can offer up, like David and Job and Jehoshaphat, is worship in the dark, when we are in terrible pain, and I added scared or desperate. I was praying about the coming time of great sadness and grief he has told me about. God's been telling me about this time since 2008 or 9. He said, can you do this for me? This is the test of darkness. It slices through your enemy like a knife because he comes to steal your praise from me. And I kept seeing a huge sword, very shiny. And he said, start practicing it now. He also said that grief is because we take our eyes off of him and the overall plan. For you can do nothing for the dead, and grieving the sadness of their life only leaves you sad as well. It accomplishes nothing except to get your eyes off me, which is what the enemy desires. What or who do you take your pain to? What or who do you turn to for comfort to make you feel better? If you get a phone call right now with bad news, And you hang up that phone, what's the next thing you're going to do? What are you going to run to for comfort? You need to know the answer to this question because on the day those missiles fly and on the day when it hits our country, America, it will also hit other countries because World War III is, y'all, we're staring down the barrel now. We're real close. I don't know how close. On the day when those attacks start, you need to know where you are going to run, okay? And I don't mean physically. Who is going to be your God in that time? After the hits come, who is going to be your God when there is nothing there but rubble? You need to make that decision now. All right? What would happen if, when you are partaking of that comfort, whether that is a person, a drug, or an activity, if Jesus suddenly came back for his bride? Let's say that you had a really bad day. Nothing was going quite right. And so there you are partaking of that other comfort, whether it's a person or a drug or an activity, and suddenly the eastern sky splits open and there's the Lord. That would be the equivalent of a man walking in on his wife with her lover. Bear in mind that our God is a jealous God. And if you want to see how jealous he is, go ahead and try that. Because you will see it, I promise you. He's not kidding when he says he's jealous. And he'll destroy the idols. No man wants to share his bride. No God does either. But especially the God. You will be left behind. Because no man, no God, especially not the God, is going to take an unfaithful bride with him to his new kingdom. Can I just say that? You know, if you've been married for a long time, you have learned that love, real love, is not about the passion and fireworks that may have drawn you to your partner. It's about the soft, constant love you feel for them. It's about how sometimes when you're just doing everyday things, you can see the good in them so clearly. It's about the companionship you share. They are the person you want to tell everything to at the end of the day. I remember my husband. I would be watching him fix something around the house. He would not know I was watching him. And I could see his physical strength. He had a very muscular type build, very strong arms and that sort of thing. And, and we women like to look at that, y'all. And I would be watching him fix something and see his physical strength and his commitment to doing it correctly, to doing the best work that he could do. And I admired that in him. Or I would see him playing with the children and how he loved them. And I loved that about him. You come to know a person when you're with them all the time. It's like men who come back from war say that when you're in the trenches with somebody during a war, you really see who they are. When we walk with someone in good times and bad, then we begin to really know them. When you walk with the Lord every day, when you spend time in his word, you begin to know him, really know him. You begin to see facets of him that you really love how he had compassion on this person, or he loved that one, how he cared, how he still cares. When you see some of the lengths he will go to to get somebody back on the right path, it will amaze you. Worship, real worship, is about knowing God. It is about seeing who he is and loving what you see. It's about glimpsing his love, his majesty, his kingship, his glory. Catching just the smallest glimpse of his amazing love, his great power, his holiness, his honor, and loving what you see. Everything about him is so different from all we see in the world around us. He is still God no matter where we are. He will still be there when the dust settles and the disaster is behind us. He will still be there when that marriage crumbles or that good job position is eliminated. He will still be there when the bank account is overdrawn or the transmission goes out on the car. He will still be God when we get that bad diagnosis. He is still God at the end of every day, whether it was a good day or the worst day of our lives. He is still God. You know, there are people that get angry at God when he don't answer their prayers. He has told me that in the time coming, people will turn away from him and deny him because he does not stop the terrible things happening, but that he cannot, as all scripture must be fulfilled in the time of the end. And this time, it really is the time of the end. He said many will abandon their faith in this time because they don't get what they want. They will walk away from him like Children turning away from broken toys and they will turn back to the world, giving up their salvation in the process. Because to them, if they don't get what they want, he's not going to be their God. They're just not going to play. Do you see the disconnect there? He is not their God unless he gives them what they want. It's all about them. No, church, it's all about him. It's always been all about him. It's all about him who sent his only begotten son to die for you and for me so we could have a way to heaven. It's all about him who hung and bled on the cross, the blood that now covers your sins and mine. So in the time coming, who will be your God? Who will you take your pain to for comfort or what? Will it be that drug? Will it be your spouse or your friend? Will you turn from him and throw down your faith when you don't get what you want or what you prayed for? Who will be your God when he cannot answer your prayers? When someone or something is taken that you did not want to be taken? Who will be your God then? Is he only the God of answered prayers? Does he only get to be your God if you get everything you pray for? If you get everything you want? He will still be God after he has walked with us through our grief, after he has loved us through our pain, after he has bound up our broken hearts. He is still God, and he still deserves our worship. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Around us we see cheating, stealing, and lying, but he isn't like that. We see a lack of caring, a coldness, no love, but he is not like that. When we see his goodness contrasted to that, When we see how much he loves us, we worship him. God requires our worship to be exclusive, that we worship only him. Matthew 4, 4. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And verse 10. Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only. Shall thou serve? There are a lot of bad things coming. I know a lot of y'all are scared, at the very least, apprehensive. We are all feeling the uncertainty. We all see the laws being passed and what's coming down the pike. And we know the things God has told us for years now are coming. But He chose us to be here now. He chose us. He handpicked us, y'all. So we still have a job to do as long as we're here. And we can pray for mercy for ourselves, for our pets, for our families. We can pray for mercy. We serve a merciful God. But choose who your God's going to be. And know the answer to that. Because pretty soon the mark is going to be introduced. And Without that mark, you cannot buy or sell. They're going to take everything from us when we refuse it. Because they're going to say, well, you have children, but you can't feed them if you don't have the mark. Sorry, we're taking your kids they're going to take everything but he is still God and you have to choose he gave up everything for us there are things that you can do to prepare for what is coming but I think the biggest preparation we all need to make is we need to commit decide beforehand what our answer will be will you take the mark no I will not are you willing no matter what it costs you to stand on that, no, I will not. This is the time when we really have to think about this all, because it may come out very suddenly. We may not get any warning at all, and that day, you know, you're forced to choose. So think about it now and just know what your answer is going to be. Because if you take that mark, you cannot repent for it. It's very clear in the Bible. If you take the mark you lose your soul. And I know there are preachers out there that are saying, oh yes, you can still repent, blah, blah, blah. But that is not what the Bible says. The word says in Revelation that those who take the mark go into the lake of fire and the smoke of their torment ascends up forever. So I want y'all to think about this because he's still God even when we are being stared at by people who say, if you don't take this mark, we're going to carry you off to prison or we're going to kill you or we're going to take your kids or whatever. He's still God then too. He's God now, and he's still God then. Jesus did not change any of his answers when they came for him with staves and spears to the Garden of Gethsemane. He was the same then that he had always been. And we need to be the same as we have been. We either believe him and believe in him and love him, or we don't. Make sure your faith is strong, first of all. I want to mention too that those of you who emailed me for the verses to meditate on and the no lack prayer, I'm trying to get those sent out all of you. I've had over 200 responses, so I've, <laughs> I'm having trouble answering them all, so y'all bear with me. If I could post it online in a way that you could copy it, I would, but I'm not on Facebook and uh, you can't copy from the JPH site, so I don't know what else to do, but just bear with me. I am sending them out, okay? It's just taken a while. and. I've talked to more than one person already that's gotten results from the no like prayer. So that's a very good thing. Y'all hold on to that. Pray it when you need it because God answers that. He wrote that prayer. And I'm very excited that y'all are that excited about the no like prayer and the verses to meditate on. That's all I have for y'all this week. I know this is short. I'm sorry. Thanks for listening. Jesus bless you. Y'all have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Just Praise Him Radio. You can contact me by mail at my new address JPH Inc., Glenda Lomax, P.O. Box 60 Glencoe, Arkansas 72539, or by email at jphtoday.com at gmail.com JPH is not affiliated with any nonprofit organization church or denomination Have you heard? The 2016 and 2017 messages have been published in book form Even those who do not profess a belief in God can see something is amiss in the world around us What is coming for our world in these last days? What does the Lord want us doing while we're waiting for His glorious reappearance? Time of reckoning and soon it will be night each contain approximately 200 prophetic messages and visions from the throne room of God telling what is coming to America and the world in these end times. The Lord has always warned nations when they were headed for destruction. He has always warned His own people. Are we also being warned? Get your copy of Time of Reckoning and Soon It Will Be Night, available now on Amazon.com. What is in store for the once great and mighty nation of America in these end times? What is the living God saying to the people of America now? What could possibly be in store for a nation that once trusted in God, but has changed its path from following in the living God's ways to now removing Him from everything and walking the other way? In the book, No Longer Mind, you will find all the messages to America collected in one place in chronological order. No Longer Mine, Messages to an Unrepentant Nation is now available in print at wingsofprophecy.com in the bookstore tab. Get your copy of No Longer Mine today. If you ask anyone you know what the most difficult experience of their life has been, many will answer about a time of betrayal. All those called to walk the narrow path will, at some point, encounter Judas. How will you respond? Do you know how to recognize Judas when he shows up in your life? Can you keep Judas from bringing destruction to your life and ministry? How can you minimize what Judas cost you? Can you pass the test of absolute betrayal? Get your copy of The Judas Test, available in print and new audiobook the Judas Test by Glenda Lomax, available now on Amazon.com. Sold out for thirty pieces of silver. In Exodus 21:32, it is the price of a dead slave. In Leviticus 27:2 through 7, 2-7, it is the price of a live one. Jesus was sold for the price of a bond servant. Precious Jesus, the Son of God. The Prince of Peace, the King of Kings? Why did Judas sell his friend out so cheap?